Thank you, Jenny, for that. That was always a blessing when we hear songs that are encouraging about our Savior, because he is worthy of more, much more. Um, let's open up to, uh, to Acts this morning, chapter 8. But let's pray first. Dear Father, we thank you so much. And the reason you're worthy of more is because you gave so much. You gave your life for us, Lord. You gave everything. And that was just because you loved us so much and you wanted us to be with you. And you paid the price to set us free. And now, Lord, as we spend some time in your word, may you just help our hearts just to be open, Lord. And that everyone here, Lord, would hear what you would want them to hear and respond the way you would want them to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's a, we're dealing with, a, it's a great story. In um, Acts chapter 8, as I mentioned, 26 is where we're going to start. But before we, we start on that, I want you to just think about something that's real important when we deal with the, the word of God. And it's real important to understand is that there's a plan that God has. And there's a plan that God has for everyone in this room. And there's a plan for our, each one of us. And for, the, for us who know the Lord, it's a plan that we go grow closer to him. It's a plan that we are more obedient to him, that we live lives that glorify him. And he wants to encourage us to do that. He wants us to be encouraged that we need to go on to fight on, to fight the good fight of faith. Now, for those who don't know him, he's interested in us knowing him. And praise God for that. We have a God that's concerned about us, that wants a relationship with us if he doesn't have a relationship the passage that we're reading today has to do with God's plan. And when you want to really reflect on God's plan, I think it's good to go back a little bit before we go into this passage in, in Acts, but go back to the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and we get to see a glimpse of God's plan. Because Jesus has gone to the cross, and he has died, and he's been resurrected. And then he's gone back to the Father and he's left his apostles and they're looking around saying, our God, our Father, our Savior has left us. He left them. But he left them with an assignment, with a mission. And verse 8 of chapter 1 gives us this mission that Christ called on his apostles to carry on. He says, but you will receive power, my power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power was coming via the Holy Spirit. God's plan was he wanted to spread the good news. And isn't it great that God was interested in the good news? Good news. And he was interested. He he had a plan and his plan was he wanted to to share the good news with everyone on earth. Every single person was valuable to God. 
It didn't matter if they were a Jew or a Gentile. It didn't matter what country they were from. He was interested in them getting the good news. So he gave them these marching orders. And the marching orders was go out and share. Share. Share the gospel. Share the good news. Talk about me. Tell people that they can enter the kingdom of heaven and they can have life eternal by coming to me. The plan was good. And the apostles were given that mandate. And now when we we look at, uh, you can fast forward because we don't have time. I don't want to keep you here long today. But if you just travel through the pages of Acts, you will find out how diligent they were in that. And if you go to chapter 8, verse 1, you'll kind of get a glimpse of what was happening. They were given the mandate to go, to be in Jerusalem as they were comfortable, but also to go to where? To Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we find in, in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church. It's kind of interesting. There was a great persecution that broke out against the church, and one of the reasons there was a great persecution that happened in the church was that they were still in Jerusalem. They were hanging out there in Jerusalem. They had a church there, and maybe they were even a little comfortable there. But God had already given them marching orders. He said, these orders are real important. There's people in Judea and Samaria that I'm really concerned about. You might not like the Samaritans very much, but I do. You might not care for these people that don't really know of our God, the true God, but I do. I care about them. So it's interesting how on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, it's interesting that because of the persecution, now they're going to Samaria and Judea, which was his marching orders initially. And this is where the story begins. The story begins because they mentioned in this passage about a man named Stephen who was a martyr, who was a deacon. He died in the cause of Christ. And then a persecution broke out. And you think about it, when the persecution broke out, it says the apostles stayed there, but they scattered the other believers. They went out and start sharing the gospel. How would you share the gospel under those conditions? I don't know about you, but if I saw one of my comrades being stoned to death because of a belief, I don't know how easy it would be to just go out there and spread the gospel. And that's what they did. They were very faithful. They left. They were scattered. And godly men buried him. And then they went out and shared the word and preached the word wherever they went. Wherever they went, they were faithful. Knowing that their lives were at risk, they still delivered the word, preached the word. And then this is where, like I said, the story begins. And we, it begins with a man named Stephen. And he was a deacon also. Excuse me, uh, Philip. And Philip was a deacon as well as Stephen. And in Acts 5, 8, it says, or excuse me, Acts chapter 8 from 5 to 8, it says, Philip went up and went to the city of Samaria and proclaimed, 
Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they paid close attention to what he said. And with shrieks, and evil, the evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. And let's go to our passage today, which is, as I mentioned, 826 of Acts. It says, but an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up and go to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Now, Philip is already, he's been in Samaria, and, and he's been successful there. He actually has had a lot of converts there, and it says there was great joy there because he was successful. And it's interesting how the, that first verse says, but an angel. It's as if the Lord was saying, get up, it's time to go somewhere else. I know you're successful here, and I know you might even be comfortable here, but I have another job for you to do. He said, I want you to go to a desert. I want you to go to an uncomfortable place. I want you to go to a place where there's a man that I want you to meet. And it says, so he got up and went. And that always blesses me when I read that, where it says that he told him to get up and go. And it says that he got up and went. It was instant obedience. And that's what God wants from each one of us. He wants Phillips here. Those that are willing to go and get up and go when God says get up and go. To get up and do, he says get up and do. He wants us to do the things that he calls us to do. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch and a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture, which he was reading, was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before his shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth in humiliation. His judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life was removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now, in verse 37, it's not in some of your Bibles because it's not in all the scriptures. Some of your Bibles don't even contain 37. But verse 37 says, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip, as well as the eunuch. And he baptized him. And as Adel mentioned, there was no baptism here today. There was a dedication today. And what happened to this Ethiopian eunuch when he was Born again, when he accepted the Lord as his Savior, then he was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went away rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus, and he, and he passed through. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Great. God's plan in action. 
We're talking about God's plan. God's plan is that when we know him, he says, I want to use you. When we don't know him, he says, I want to have a relationship with you. And that's what you hear here in these words. You hear about a servant who was used by him and a relationship that was built because of the dedication of that servant. And my first phase of God's plan that I wanted to touch on today was God's servant. God's plan always involves a servant. It always involves somebody who's dedicated and willing. It always involves somebody who's willing to do what it takes to stand tall. And it's interesting. We don't have time today, but I recommend that you go and you read a few verses in Acts, in chapter 6 where they talk about how the apostles were really spreading the gospel and teaching, but they, they were also waiting on tables. They were ministering to widows. They were feeding the widows. They were taking maybe food baskets to the widows. But they were very, very dedicated with that, mature, that, that, because God loves widows. These men of God were waiting on tables and blessing these widows. And they were sharing the gospel. And they got overwhelmed. And they said, we need to choose seven men who will carry on this because we can't deliver the word as well. And Stephen was the first one. And Philip was the second one. Second of the seven. Stephen gave his life. And now Philip, the next one, who was a man who waited on tables, who ministered to widows, who went up to them and said, you know, I understand that you need a a servant. And I'm willing to wait on tables for the kingdom of heaven. I'm willing to clean toilets for the kingdom of heaven. I'm willing to clean the floors for the kingdom of heaven. And he stayed and he took on that responsibility. And you think about it. There were seven men. And I like to call them the Magnificent Seven. Bill was telling me he saw that uh, movie and he loves that movie. And I do, too. These were heroes. They were. They were heroes. They went and did some incredible work to help people who were lost. I think he was one of the magnificent seven men of integrity. Men and women who are willing to do whatever God calls them to do are men and women who can really be used by the Lord in his service. So that's what happened on that day. He was chosen as one of these men, and then God chose him to do a greater work when he went to Samaria. He says, you've actually finished your job now. You've waited on tables and you've earned the right to be used in a a, a mightier way. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's good to be sitting under the word of God when we're new Christians. To where we get built up. To we take on the lowly things that we take on things that maybe we don't think are wise. Maybe we don't think it's we'd rather be up here on the pulpit, maybe. But God doesn't call everybody to be up here on the pulpit. He looks at the ones that clean and minister to the widows, and he looks at them and he says, you get just as many crowns in heaven for doing that. Praise God for that. Praise God for the servants that are willing to do whatever God has called them to do. He was faithful, a waiter. And God says, go up and join. And Philip ran up and he said, I'll go. God says, jump. And Philip said, how high do you want me to jump? What about us? God says, jump. Are we willing to jump? God says, go. Are we willing to go? We need to. 
for the work of God to be carried on. That's God's plan. And then the next point I wanted to bring up was God's will. In order to understand God's plan, we need to understand his will. And his will was clear. His will was to, 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 to Philip. He says, go. We know his will. His will was clear. Go. Not clear to Philip, maybe, at the time. But God said, go. And God was telling him he had a, a, a job for him to do. And if we read further in the scriptures where we go to verse 27... It says he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. God says go, and then the plan started to be revealed to him. He said go, but Philip didn't know where to go. He didn't know where he was going, but he went. And then as he went, he started out on his way, and the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, he met that person there. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was on his way home. And he was sitting in his chair reading the book, of Isaiah the prophet. So this is a man that went looking and searching. And this is where I think it's, it's very important that we understand that God is always looking at, after, looking for those that are seeking. There are people in this room now that were seekers. And God was faithful, wasn't he? Wasn't God faithful? You saw it. I mean, I saw it. I was seeking. I was seeking everywhere in the world, looking for something to fulfill this emptiness inside. I was looking. I was a seeker. This man, this eunuch, was a seeker. He was a wealthy seeker. He was a wealthy man. He was a man that was looking for fulfillment. He might have been groomed for the position of the treasurer because he was like the grand master treasurer of the queen. He was an important man. He had charge of all the finances of the queen. He was rich, wouldn't you think? He might even pilfered from the finances of the queen. The queen turned her back and he's putting money away. I don't know where they put it back then. I don't know if they put it in mattresses or, or what. But I know they had places to stash money because they were afraid that somebody would take their money. He had control of all the money. He might have been groomed for that position. His parents might have said, you know, I, we wish and we want to send you to Ethiopian school of treasury or whatever. So you can grow up to be a treasurer. You can be somebody who will be important in the Ethiopian government. Maybe he was groomed for that. Maybe he knew somebody that got him that position. But I'm going to tell you something. He had great wealth and great power and great influence. And what do you think happened to him? He says he went to Jerusalem to worship. I think he was going to look. He was looking. He was seeking. It says he had the scriptures when, when, P, when Peter, uh, excuse me, when Philip found him, he had the scriptures in his hand and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So he was searching. But why was he searching? Because he didn't have the fulfillment. He didn't have the joy. He didn't have the peace. He had everything else. He was rich. He was wealthy. He had influence. He had power. He had a good bed to sleep in in Ethiopia. And he had an entourage probably with him. And they're wondering, Where, what do you want to go to Jerusalem for? You have it all. You have it all. But they don't sleep around him at night where he's sitting there thinking, is this all there is? Is anybody saying here today, is this all there is? I said it. Before I got saved, I said, is this, is this it? 
Is this all there is? Is this what I have to look forward to? Is this what it's all about? Is this what life has really come up to, is that I go out and I, I, I get and get and get and get and then I don't have any fulfillment? Is this what life is all about? Well, you can have it. I don't want this. I said that and I, I believe he said that. And the, the Lord loves people who look for him. He loves them. Proverbs 8:17 says, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seekers here, are you a seeker? I was a seeker, and there are people who were previously seekers, but we've been found. I've been found. Ironside said about this man, he said, you, you can imagine his heart and his sickness when he came to Jerusalem. But there he found cold formality. If he had been asking in his heart, how may I, a poor sinner, come into fellowship with God? There was no answer. He was returning home disappointed and doubtless disillusioned and a a disappointed man. Yet he had obtained in Jerusalem a thing that was of great importance, a portion of God's holy word. He went to Jerusalem seeking. Where have you gone seeking? Where have you looked seeking? Where have you gone? Maharaj? Have you even, some of us, maybe even gone to Jerusalem. And I've heard that some of us, you can go to Jerusalem and you can actually buy pieces of wood that they say were part of the cross. Holy water. And you can go thinking that will make a difference and you bring it home. You look at it as you're on the plane. And you're like, wow, I got a piece of the cross. Oh, look at this holy water. And then you get home and you go back to work on Monday. And the boss is the same. You get your paycheck at the end of the month and wow, the digits are the same. You still pay the rent. Everything is the same. It's like, what's up with this holy water? You know, isn't that sad, but it's true? I sought something that, I've been a seeker for a while, and I got saved 13 years ago, but I remember seeking something that might sound dumb to you. But I took this training that was by a gentleman called um, Warner Earhart. He was he's pretty popular in the Bay Area, probably 50, 20 years ago. It might have been 20 years ago. And it was called the S training. It was a training where you go through, a, a, I think it's two or three days, and you're in a room, and they, they, they give you all this information, and they just feed you with information, and they try to break down your life and expose to you what your life is all about. And then at the end of the S training, what they tell you is, did you get it? And you know what the interesting thing about it? And I was looking around thinking, Something's wrong here. I paid some money for this. And I don't get it yet. And I'm not happy that I don't get it. Because at least expose it to me. And then I can say, okay, I don't have it. But I know what I want to get. Because I know I can go after it. But they never reveal what it is. And this sounds stupid to you. And I feel stupid for taking it. 
But I was looking for, I was looking for a, to fulfill a, 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 the peace that I had void in my heart. I was looking to have that void filled. And they promised it. They promised that when you leave, you'll have it. And it will change your life. They promised it. I'm telling you, they promised it. And I took it and I paid for it. And I was diligent. I watched and I listened. And I just listened. I followed the instructor. And he broke down things and I don't even know anything he said except, did you get it? (laughs) I mean, seriously. That's what he said at the end. And I said at the end, no, I didn't get it. And I was embarrassed to even tell him I didn't get it. Because nobody said they didn't get it. They just walked around, did you get it? Everybody's like, yeah, I got it. I'm thinking, you're right. What did you get? Give it to me. If you got it, give it to me. They didn't get it. I didn't get it. And probably you didn't get it. And the eunuch, he definitely didn't get it. He did not get it. He left there in his chariot with the canopy over him and his entourage with him. And he's just traveling away. And they're probably riding with him wondering, well, why did you even go? Because you don't really seem any different. What did we even waste our time for? And he's sitting there reading the scriptures. And what he was reading, we can go to it just for a couple. I think 53 and uh, Isaiah might be good to just look at a couple of verses. Because he was looking for it. He was. Believe me, he went looking for it. And he was reading Isaiah and he was thrown off when he was reading Isaiah. Because Isaiah starts off, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And he's like, what is this? I want to know. And then he started reading further on in verse 3. It says, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with, with grief. He's like, who is this? going on man what's going on here and then he gets to verse 4 and he says surely our griefs he himself bore it's like what do you mean you bore my griefs my griefs I'm grieving right now who is this I went to Jerusalem and they couldn't tell me who he was and I don't like that I was promised that when I went there I'd find out who he was who was this man this man he heard of Jesus And when he went to Jerusalem, they misrepresented Jesus to him because they didn't believe. And he's reading these verses in the canopy with the canopy over him and the sun brightly shining on him saying, man, I just wasted time again. I'm searching. I haven't found it yet. And then he reads on verse five says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. By a scourging, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. He's like, that's me. I don't like my life. I've pilfered. I've lied. I've cheated. That's me. Each of us has turned to his own way. He said, that's me. That's me. My own way. Then he gets here and says, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us to fall upon him. It's like, who is this? Who is this? He said he was oppressed and afflicted and he did not open his mouth like a lamb was led to slaughter. Like a sheep that silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. And he reads that. And he's reading and he's weeping. He says, I went there looking for it. I was looking for it. I was looking for that fulfillment. I was looking for that joy. 
I didn't find it. And right when he was getting really discouraged, Philip pulls up. Do you remember who pulled up when you were getting really discouraged? When it was almost over. When you almost threw in the towel. Do you remember who showed up? It was a Philip. It was a dedicated saint. It was a woman or a man of God that said, I'm going to carry the torch to this brother or sister. And they were faithful. And they came up to you when you needed them most. And what did they do? They shared the truth with you. They shared God's word with you. They opened up the scriptures to you. As this man was reading, he didn't know anything about what he was reading. He couldn't fathom what was going on. And then old faithful Philip shows up. And it says that he revealed to him the good news. He opened up the scriptures to this man. And the good news always includes Christ. He preached to him Jesus. The resurrected one. The one that died for his sins. The one that was in this scripture reference in Isaiah. And he said, you know that one that took your iniquities? It's Jesus. It's not prophet. And he's not dead. He's risen. He's alive. He's at the right hand of God. He preached Christ to him. He said, you didn't get it. But I'm giving it to you. Let me show you what it means. Let me tell you about the love of Christ. And one of the verses I think is just so wonderful. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. He sought this man. This man didn't really know that he was being sought. He had a plan. He had a plan to go to Jerusalem and find the truth. And the truth found him. Christ found him. Right when he was at the end of his rope, probably. He said, all is perishing. But why? Because it's the Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life. It's the Father's will that we all be saved. It's the Father's will that all seekers be found. And praise God, even that those who don't seek him, he wants them to find. Because I was reading a verse that really blessed me in Isaiah, and it says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call my name, I said, here am I. Here am I. Seekers. He says, I'll find you. Those that don't seek him, he says, I seek you. That's love. There is no love deeper than that. To have the Father seek those that don't even want to be sought after. Another writer writes, you see, it takes so little to save a sinner It may seem like a long process, but the moment the poor sinner looks into the face of Jesus and trusts him as his Savior, he's a new creature. And we read that about the Ethiopian eunuch. So we talked about 
God's plan. And God's plan involves a servant. God's plan also involves his will, knowing God's will. God's plan also involves God's word. And God's plan also involves God's son. Without the son, there's no plan. But you know, that's all God's work. And then at the end, it says that that you, Ethiopian eunuch, he went home rejoicing. He went and asked to be baptized, and he went home rejoicing. But there was only one reason he went home rejoicing. Because that Ethiopian eunuch did something really interesting. He chose Christ. He made a decision after hearing all the information and looking at everything, and he says, I got it. It makes sense. And he closed the book on his seeking. He stopped seeking. Now he was a man that says, I found. I found him. I found the Savior. Are you seeking today? Honestly, are you seeking? He's seeking you. Do you think you have everything going for you? Well, it will get old after a while. You think things are going really well? You won't be fulfilled without Christ. And if you're honest right now, some of you are actually saying something is tingling inside of me. I don't really have a peace. I, I, you know, I want everybody to think I have a peace, but really I don't have a peace. And he's seeking you right now. He's saying, do what the Ethiopian unit did. Make a choice. He went home rejoicing. He didn't come rejoicing. Or would have said, he came rejoicing and he went home rejoicing. No one says he went to Jerusalem and he left. But he went home rejoicing because he made the right choice. Have you made the right choice? Choose Christ. And you have made the right choice. One of the criminals who hung on the the cross was hurling insults at him. And he says, aren't you the Christ? And we know those verses. Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man was has done who has done nothing and has done nothing wrong, he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and says, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus told this one criminal, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's kind of an interesting thing. There was two men on both sides of Christ that day. And one said, remember me, please. The other one said, get me down from here because I shouldn't be here. Where are you today? Do you realize that we're all sinners? One writer writes about that. He says, when one dying criminal prayed, Jesus loved him enough to save him. And when the other mocked, Jesus loved him enough to let him. He allowed him the choice. And he does the same for you. 
He says, I love you enough to let you choose hell. I'm not going to force you to choose heaven. That's love. That's a, a kind of love that I don't think we can fathom. To love us enough to let us choose our destiny. The choice was made. And then there was rejoicing. The only reason there was rejoicing is because it was the right choice. He chose Christ. We all have the opportunity to choose Christ. And those who have chosen Christ be Phillips. He says, get up, get up. He says, jump, say, how high, Lord? He says, cling, yes, Lord. He says, go, get up and go. Those that don't know him, choose today. Choose him and leave rejoicing. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much that we... We that know you, that have you in our hearts, that have been born again, that have been reborn, are rejoicing. We don't deserve to rejoice, Lord, but because of what you did for us, we are rejoicing. We pray for anyone who came through these doors looking for it looking for that solution, looking for that peace that they just can't quite get a grip on. They've tried this and they've tried that and they've tried all these worldly pursuits, but nothing seems to fill that void. We pray that today they will make the choice. It's a simple choice with immediate results, rejoicing. We love you. We thank you that you care so much for us, that you seek us, especially when we seek you. But even when we don't, you still seek us, Lord, because you love us. Please help us all to make the right choice in Jesus' name. Amen.